0: You know, I just want you to know that I think that it is such a privilege and honor for us to worship with our children. Amen. Amen. So worship with them and have them experience. I know they're a little loud, and you know sometimes they're not as engaged, and they're fidgety and everything like that, but man, there's nothing better for them to be in the presence of the Lord, worshiping along with the rest of the body of Christ, and so amen for them. Praise the Lord. If we would all stand our feet for the reading of God's Word, the book of Mark, chapter 4, and we're going to read in verse 1. When you got it, say So. so. And it says, and again, he, speaking of Jesus, began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened, as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root in it, it withered. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on, the, on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in them in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble now these are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60 and some 100. Also we said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. But whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain and the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth but when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may rest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth, your word that is powerful Your word that is able to deliver us, Lord God. Your word that sets us free. We pray, Holy Spirit, that in these next few moments that you would open our ears. That we would be hearers of your word. That you would soften our hearts. That we would be receptive to your word. I pray that you would let us not hear, but let us obey. Father, be glorified in all this. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Just hold it up. I want to make sure that everybody has an outline. It's important to me that you are able to follow along in the um, beginning, the introduction of the sermon. And not only that, but you can also um, take notes. That's important to me as well. And then the other thing that I always try to emphasize, and I, and I try to make this as not as, as not redundant as possible, but you can utilize this outline outline as a tool to help people grow in their faith the Bible calls us to make disciples and the way you help someone uh, or the way that you make a disciple is by helping them grow in the word and so you can simply sit down with someone and engage them in conversation and help them come to a better knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is uh, also here if you guys are following along in the Bible reading challenge we started this year uh, our, our, our goal is to finish the Bible in a year together as as a church and so hopefully you've been on the plan and I know some of us have fallen off, some of us didn't start, some of us need to just recommit. And so it's a good time for you to recommit. Today is day two sixty seven. So we have a little bit under a hundred days to the end of the year. Is that not crazy? I mean, can you believe it? I mean, really, realistically. So um, um, we are here um, in the book of Amos today, Amos chapter 1 through 4. And so if you want to jump on this Bible reading plan, now's a good time. We're starting in the book of Amos today. You can read chapter 1 through 4, and then every day to the end of the year, you're going to read four chapters, and we'll get through it together. And so we're in the Gospel of Mark. We are in this series called Jesus Impact. And up to this point, we've been seeing Jesus' impact on the community and the culture that he. He was in through his message, uh, more so through signs and wonders, through his activities. He was challenging the religious status quo of his day. I mean, he came in there and he was really shaking things up. And thus far, Mark has not really spent a lot of time in any of his preachings or any of his messages. It's more been about what he's been doing. He may give an exhortation here or there that we've talked about, but this is the first time he's gonna deal with a parable. And what I want you to understand is this, and if you look at your outline here, this first this first paragraph, the gospel message is the most important message that our culture needs to hear right now. Are you here? Now, I know that there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we're looking at, you know, you look on the news. The other day when I took Josiah to get a haircut and I was looking on the television and they were showing all of what happened in Mexico. And, you know, the, the the workers working tirelessly to try to remove the debris and the rubble and trying to find people who are alive. I mean, you know, you see fires going on in other parts of the United States and the world. You hear of other earthquakes in other places. You see these hurricanes that have come through. You know, Harvey devastates Houston. And then you see Irma comes, devastates South Florida, and I mean, does some, uh, just some ridiculous damage. Some people just recently got power back in Florida, and then you look at the recent, you know, most recent, you know, with, um, you know, with, with, with Maria, and she comes and devastates Puerto Rico, and I mean, just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a bad situation that you're looking at. When you look at the news, I don't know about you, but when I look at the news, I, I'm like, wow, I see what the Bible was talking about. Like I'm seeing it on television, like I'm seeing these things. And what I want you to know is that the most important message that needs to be communicated is the gospel. That does not change. Are you here? We need to have confidence in the gospel. We need to have confidence in what Jesus spoke. We serve a living God. We serve a God. Pastor Chad said it when he was reading from Isaiah this morning during communion. He said this prophecy was written hundreds of years. The book of Isaiah was written approximately 600 years before the birth of Jesus and spoke clearly about who he was in order to let us know what? That the one who holds all things in his hands knows exactly what's going on and he is going to direct the affairs of creation and we have a hope and a faith and that faith is in what in jesus christ and in that message in the gospel and so i want you to see this because this is what jesus communicates and so this is our encouragement for the introduction and i'm going to warn you right now i have 14 minutes and 25 seconds right at this moment and y'all know that that's not going to happen but here's what here's here's what i want you to know um i'm gonna i'm gonna go as fast as i can and for some of you like bishop slow down i can't but here's the thing I want you to know, I preached two sermons in the first service, so I'm going to preach two sermons in this service, but here's here's the reason why. We're going to look in Mark in a couple of weeks You know, when we get to this portion where Mark talks about these scriptures, but as I, as I was studying and preparing this message, I need you to see what Jesus says, and that way it's not something that troubles your heart, that you can understand. This is what the Bible said. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 14, he says, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the the Christ and will deceive many. He's speaking of these latter days. Just to give you some context, what was happening here, his disciples came to him, and they were asking him, Lord, when will the end be? When are you going to establish your kingdom? And he, and he, because remember, they're waiting on the reestablishment of Israel as God's people. And so they're waiting on that. They've been walking with him. They've been hearing him. And they ask him this question because they're getting anxious. It's toward the latter part of his ministry on the earth. And so they have this question. And the way that Jesus answers them is this way. Don't be deceived. Verse 6 there, he says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do you hear that? You see that stuff, you know, bombs are going up all over the place and, you know, people posturing at the UN and all of this stuff that's going on and depending on which news outlet you hear, you know, you hear this or you hear that. The bottom line is wars and rumors of war. Let's pay attention to this scripture, right? Forget CNN, forget Fox, forget all of those people for a moment. The word of God says there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. This is what's going to happen. He says, see that you are not troubled. There's your encouragement. Did you hear what he said? See that you are not troubled in the midst of all of this. See that you are not you as a believer are not troubled why because i'm letting you know what's going to happen so i'm not just giving you information i'm giving you confidence in who i am i'm giving you hope in who i am i'm letting you know i know what's going to happen i know what's about to take place and i've got you i've got you in my hand there's some things that are going to occur but have hope see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass and look what he says but the end is not yet you hear that The end is not yet. Listen, this is going to get real heavy in a moment, but he's he's letting you know. Don't be troubled. The end is not yet. He says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines. We see that, right? Pestilences, sickness, disease, these types of things. Earthquakes in various places. And look what he says here. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Listen, he didn't say this is the beginning of laughter. He said this is the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of birth pangs is what it's called. Remember we talked about the earth is groaning. This is the beginning of what's going on. This is just the start. Listen, I wish I could tell you it's all over and like next week Jesus is coming. I can't tell you that. Because he said, this is the beginning, and he goes on, and this is where it gets really encouraging. He says, then, see, after all this stuff starts to happen, after all these wars occur, after people experience stuff that is robbing them of their faith, as people are are experiencing things that are shaking them to their core, you know, as people are going through those types of things. Listen, I am going to tell you something, and some people may not want to hear what I'm going to say right now, and it's okay. Here's, here, here's what, I, what, what, what I realized. The first hurricane that hit us super hard, it hit us in Texas, right? It hit us in that area. You know what that area is known as? That area is known as the Bible Belt. That's what that area is known. Like, like that area, they're, they're supposed to be the most spiritual people. I, I want you to hear this. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. That God is going to shake and, and he's, the only thing that's going to remain are the things that are unshakable. And so our faith is going to be shaken. Our faith is going to be rocked. I want you to know something. The earth is groaning, but God still controls the winds. He still controls the waves. He still controls the rain. He's the one that told the storm, stop and be still. And it did. And for whatever reason, listen, I want you to know, I prayed with pastors and we have prayed and and cried out to God and said, God, stop these storms Lord. still these storms, dissipate these storms. And you know what? For some reason, he said no. It's because of where we are living. It is because of the time in which we are living. He goes on and says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Be encouraged. Yeah. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Get ready. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It's, a, it's not just some political left, right, middle, whatever. It ain't, that, that's not it. not it. This is prophetic words that have to come to pass. I wish I would give you some more encouragement, but this is what the Bible says. And look what he says here. He says, and then many will be offended. You know what he's talking about offense? He's talking about many are going to stumble, are going to fall, are going to fall away. Look what he says here, the next verse. He says, we'll betray one another and will hate one another. Are you here? You know, you know why they're offended? You, I'm, you, I'm going to tell you why they're offended. Because they didn't read all this other stuff that Jesus said. Because they believe this lie that when you come to Jesus, everything is easy. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more sorrow. There's no more heartache. Everybody's going to be healed. Everybody's going to be rich. There's going to be no more disaster. And so it offends you when all of a sudden you were praying that God would be merciful. And I joked about it last week, but let's just be serious for a moment. You know, I joked last week, and I talked about, you know, I was having a, a conversation with one of the sisters in the church via email, and, you know, she was telling me of her testimony and how she had been praying to God about, you know, this storm as Irma was coming through. And as she was praying, she was like, God, you know, I just, I'm praying for your mercy. And she said that their lights didn't go out, that they didn't have any kind of damage, that it was amazing that God, you know, covered her. And then, you know, I jokingly responded, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm glad that all that happened. I said, next time, pray harder for me because obviously I wasn't covered enough. <laughs> right? And we can joke about that, right? And we can laugh about that. But here's the thing. If you're sitting in Puerto Rico right now, you're probably not laughing like that. If you, were, if you were the husband that I saw on the news who was standing on the top of the building in Mexico and the building collapsed under him and he's in the hospital with two broken legs, all kind of broken bones, his wife is dead, you're not laughing about that. You're wondering why God You're wondering, why would you allow that to happen to me, especially if I am a believer? And so here's the thing that I want to tell you, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us these things are going to happen, and our trust and faith has to be in God Almighty. It has to be in the one who gives us this gospel and entrusts us with this word because he says what in the next verse, verse 11? He says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And look at this. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I want you to understand something. The key to us living our faith, the key to us not being offended and falling away, the key to us not walking in anger and bitterness towards God is that the love of God is rich, is fiery, is, is burning hard hardly, ardently in our hearts. This is the key because if our love grows cold or waxes cold, the way the King James Version said, if our love grows cold like that, then what happens is we don't care about other people. All we care about is us. All we care about is what we're going through, and then when God doesn't serve our idol, which is me, hello somebody, and he doesn't do what I say, and he doesn't do what I, what I want, then you know what happens? All of a sudden, I'm offended, and I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want to, and, 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 and let me tell you why I say this message is so important. I, I, want you to, I want you to look at what he says. He goes on to say, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. In other words, he who allows the love of God to continue to be rich in his heart. He who allows the love of God to continue to grow. And he says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Now listen to me. We're still standing here. And so what I'm saying is there's obviously some disconnect between some interpretations here because obviously we have a job to do. There's something that we need to be doing. And you know what that something is? It is preaching the gospel. It is declaring who God is. It is passionately proclaiming that Jesus really is the hope for the world. Hello, somebody. Listen, as, as, as I'm here, you know, I, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this love thing, and, and I, was, I was thinking about, you know, how do we maintain the love of God in our hearts? We maintain the love of God in our hearts by having a correct understanding of the gospel. It is by us understanding what Jesus has done for us. It is by us understanding what God has done for us. It is by us understanding how we have violated God's laws, and yet he continues to love us. And I'll give, I give you an example of, 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 what, of what I mean by we have to have the right understanding of the gospel. I was having a conversation, my mother, and I, my mother and I, we were actually talking about this movie and you know, some of you may have seen it, some of you may love the movie, I'm sure most of you cried in the movie. I have to be honest I slept in most of the movie but I did see you know a lot of the movie I was just really tired it was a Sunday night and it's really rough after I preach especially when I go over my time um, you know for me to be able to you know just stay awake watching watching the movie but anyway, it's the movie the shack and so you know the question was you know well, what do you think about this movie and I was like well you know I said I have some opinions you know I, I don't want to just give my thoughts before I saw the movie right so she lent me the movie I, I watched the movie and so we were talking about it and I said you want to know something I said here, here, here's the biggest issue the biggest issue amongst men. All right, because there's a whole bunch of theological issues in the movie and and listen the movie is a fiction It's not a real thing But here's my problem with all that whenever you start mentioning God and you start proclaiming God and all that stuff You're taking it out of the category of fiction for me Okay, but here's here's the thing in this movie. There is a there. There is a, a, a misapplication of the love of God There is a minimization of God's love in this movie because what this movie does is it proclaims a God who doesn't judge sin It proclaims a God who is always just good and always just loving and never demonstrates his wrath. And I need you to understand something. When you remove the wrath of God from who God is, when you remove the holiness of God from who God is, you minimize his love. Because you know what? Anybody can love good people. Hello, somebody. Anybody can love when there there is no offense toward them. But when you understand that God is holy, he is righteous, he is pure, and you come to realize that you are not, you realize the, re- the the rebel that you are against God You want to know what happens All of a sudden you begin to appreciate the love of God a little bit more You begin to understand He should have struck me dead and he did not He died in my place and gave his life for me Therefore I begin to understand the love of God The problem is and the reason why so many hearts, will, so many people's hearts will wax cold Is because they just think that God is only good And they never see that God is also a God that is going to bring judgment they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear these things. And so that's the days in which we live. And so that's the introduction to the sermon. I told you that's sermon one. So we look at this scriptures that we're looking at today, this morning. And I promise you, I'm going to do this in 15 minutes. I'm going to do it in 15. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. All right. All right. See, they told me to take my time. See, and you know what happens? Let me just say, there's other people that are like, shut up. I don't do it. Let him do it in 50. As a matter of fact, let him do it in nine minutes, Okay. All right, whatever. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do the best I can. But here, here's, here's what I want you to realize. When we look at the gospel of Mark, Jesus, up until this point, he is this is the first time that Mark pauses. And what he does, he says, I want you to look at what Jesus is teaching. And the reason why he wants us to look at what Jesus is teaching is so that we can check our hearts. So that we can see what type of soil we are. For some of the, you know, the ladies that were able to make it, you know, my, my, my wife, you know, she they, they led a beautiful time on Friday night. They there was a planting night. Um, and some of you ladies missed it, and I'm sorry for that, because they had an amazing time from what I understand. And my wife was speaking on you know this topic as well about the soils. We didn't even I didn't know what she was speaking on, she didn't know what I was speaking on. All that said is that the Spirit of God wants to speak to our hearts. And wants us to really check ourselves, what type of soil are you? And Jesus begins to have this, this, or he begins to proclaim this message. And here's the big idea that I have for you. I'm not going to read the other points in the introduction. But the big idea I have for you is that hearing ears will also, will always produce a fruitful life. Hearing ears will always produce a fruitful life. If you have ears, notice what Jesus said. The first thing that he says, you look at it, look at it in verse 3. He said, listen, there's an exclamation point. What, what, what that, the reason why the exclamation point is there is because in the original Greek, that is a word that is in, in the imperative, which means that it is not a suggestion, it is a commandment and it is a call to pay attention. He's not suggesting that we listen to truth. He's saying, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm declaring. Listen to what I'm about to communicate. You need to drop everything and pay attention. Hone in. That's what Jesus is communicating. And he begins to go through this. And the reason why this is so important is because if we have ears to hear what God is saying to us, we will obey what God is saying to us. Therefore, our lives will, not that they might, They will bear fruit. And let me just say this as a pause. Fruit does not mean no trials. Fruit does not mean no tribulation. Fruit does not mean no hardship. Fruit does not mean that you won't experience difficulty. Fruit just means in the midst of hardship, I still bear fruit. In the midst of hardship, I'm still loving. In the midst of hardship, I'm not doing things that I should. In the midst of my anger, I'm not sinning. That's what that means. In the midst of disappointment, I'm not looking away from God. I'm looking to him. That's what it means. So when we have ears to hear, we will always bear fruit. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must check our soil. We must check our soil. And so verses 1 through 20, and and, and realize this, the way that we hear is so important. So what does he talk about? He talks about four grounds. And I want you to think for a moment, what type of ground are you? What type of ground are you? Are you the stony ground? Are you the wayside? Are you the hardened heart? What type of ground? Are you the ground that's thorny? What what, what kind of ground are you or are you the good ground? And so let's just look at these really quickly. When you look at the first one, it is the wayside one. Verse 15, let's just look at it. It says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. And so the first one is the one that the enemy has a hand in their life. And, and, the way, and when you look at, just to give you some context, in this parable of the sower, uh, in our days, the way that we sow seed is, you know, mechanically, right? And so most of the time, especially in the United States and other places that they don't have that, they don't do it mechanically, they, they do it by hand. But in those days, it wasn't mechanically. A sower had a pouch, you know, of seeds. And what he did was he went down, you know, in, in the area where he was sowing the seed, and he would throw the seed like this. And so as he's throwing the seed, the seed is falling over here by the wayside, it's falling on the stony ground, it's falling among the thorns, and it's also falling in the good ground. But there is one particular area where the sower is walking, and that is the wayside. That is the area that has been trodden down by people. All kinds of people walk through there. Have you ever been in an area where there's where there's like grass and there's good you know good grass that looks real good over here? And, and then over here really good, but then there's a path, right? There's a path that is all beaten up. It doesn't grow there because people drive on there. People walk on there. That's what the wayside was. And how do, how do our hearts become like the wayside? The way that we allow our hearts to become like the wayside is our hearts become that way when we start opening ourselves to a whole bunch of ungodly influence. When we start getting to, especially in the church today, we start being so open to spirituality. We start being so open to all of these different communications. We start being open to all of these different avenues and different counsel that is not from God. And you know what happens? Our hearts become hard. We become irreceptive to the word of God. We start to, you know, we're, we're, we're we're, we're not wrestling with the scriptures. We're arguing with the scriptures. There's a difference between wrestling and arguing. You know, if I argue with the scripture, I'm trying to prove my point, disprove your point, and reject what you're trying to say. Like when you're in an argument with someone, that's what you're trying to do. When you're in a discussion, even if you're in a disagreement, right, you can be wrestling with the truth. You can be wrestling with something. For example, if I'm sitting there, you know, one of my favorite scriptures to always use is, you know, when it, the Bible says, Jesus says that we are to love our enemies. Amen. You see, when you don't have an enemy, when you're when you're not offended with anyone, when no one has hurt you, when no one's done any wrong with you, that is an amazing scripture. That is very spiritual. Amen. Is it not? Right? But when you have an enemy, and I'm, and I listen, I'm speaking from, from experience. When you have an enemy, when you have someone that has hurt you, someone that has offended you, someone who has, I mean, just done you wrong, then you know what you have to do. You have to make a choice. Am I going to argue with the scriptures and try to just negate them and justify myself, not abiding by them, or am I going to come over here and wrestle with the scriptures and say, God, it is so difficult for me to love that enemy. It is so hard for me to pray for the one who spitefully used me. It is so hard for me to. Bl- Bless those who curse me. I mean, it is difficult for me to do those things, but this is what your word tells me to do. Hello, somebody. You see, but when you have a heart that is the wayside heart, you don't even want to receive that. You just want to argue with God's word and justify your way and to say, no, I'm not going to obey. The second type of heart is the stony ground. And so the first question is, is your heart hard? Is your heart hard? Is the word of God penetrating your heart? I know I talk fast, but I want you to think about that. Is the word of God penetrating your hardened heart? Or is the enemy just coming by and stealing the word away? The second thing is a stony ground. Look at verse 16 and 17. He says this. He said, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Notice the emotional response, right? And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble, they fall away. This is the person, this is the shallow ground, right? So, this is the ground that it looks like there's some kind of dirt on the top. It looks, you know, it's good dirt, obviously, because the dirt itself is allowing this seed to fall in there, but there's a problem. Right below the dirt, right there, is stones. Right there is a shallowness. So, you know what it is? You may be that person that you hear the word of God preach, you feel something prick you in your heart, you like, man, I gotta do something about this by the time you get from here to your car. And much less Monday morning. Hello, somebody. Like you were super holy from here to the door, from, from the door to the car, you know, between here and the bakery stuff, you know, like you like you got lost and something happened. And then by the time you got to your car, you were like, what was it I was going to do again? And then Monday morning comes and you're like, man, I, I need to go back to church. Hello, somebody. I just want you to know we podcast these messages and they're, you know, on video. So you don't need to forget Hear it again. Hello. But that's your, you're, you're, you're the, the, this is the person that they don't hear the gospel. They, they don't understand it. They, they, they feel like life is gonna be easy when I come to Jesus. Everything is gonna be okay. Jesus is a solution for my situation. Yes and amen. Is that not true? He's a solution for sure. But here's the thing that happens. What the Bible says for us is it tells us that we are to do what? That we, if we are going to follow him. Now listen to this now. If we are going to follow him, that we must take up our cross and deny ourselves daily. That we must be willing to die to ourselves. That we must be willing to lose our life. That we cannot love anyone or anything, including ourselves, more than him. Because if we do, you know what he says? We're not worthy of him. You see, that's the reason why, listen to me, and, and, and you know, I, I've said this before. I Listen, I really, in my heart of hearts, I have no issue with altar calls. I have not, no issue with them at all. I don't do them if I don't feel the Holy Spirit leading me to do it. That's, that's the whole thing here. But here's, what I, here, here's my problem. My problem is when someone thinks coming to an altar saying a prayer is the end. My problem is someone thinks saying a prayer that you repeated after some preacher on the TV, that that saved you. Listen to me. You, that may be a moment that you got saved, but there better be some fruit because there is no fruit. Then guess what? You're one of these other grounds. Hello? The issue is that people think it's that easy to follow Jesus. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, oh, you want to follow me? He was, I told you. He would tell the crowds, y'all want to follow me? Check this out. You really want to follow me? Listen to what I'm saying. You want to follow me? This is the price it's going to be. You know why? Because I'm about to give my life. I'm about to die for you. And so listen, this is not some just easy believism. You just come, oh, yeah, I'm going to say a prayer. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Hold on a second. It's about following Jesus. Listen, even in our day, I'm going to tell you this right now. In our day, we have even, we have even minimized baptism. Listen, baptism is supposed to be something for real. Like when you get baptized in water, that is a moment of like commissioning for you. That's a moment that you are declaring publicly, I am committed to Jesus, and from this day forward, I will serve him. I will obey him. I will walk with him. That's what baptism is. It's not something I just want to post on Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, we baptized this many people. I don't care how many people you baptize because the thing is how many people are persevering in the faith. How many people are doing that? Because I know this much. The 3,000 that got baptized in the book of Acts chapter 2, guess what? They persevered in the faith. They knew what they were doing. They understood that. And so ultimately, I got to keep running. But here's the thing. The first one is the wayside. It's the pathway, right? The second one is the stony ground. That's your flesh. It's the emotional response. The third ground is the thorny ground. And that is the crowded heart, right? Look at verse 18 and verse 19. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word and the cares of, the, of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Look at these things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. I love that because it gives you two specific and then it blankets everything. The desire for other things. Entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so this is a ground that is not that has stones in it. It's a ground that's deep. But it's a ground that also has these other things that are choking out the cares of this world. And so you know what you see? You see three enemies. You see the enemy of, you see Satan himself who is stealing the word in that first heart. You see the flesh that that, that is not allowing this word because it's emotionalism. And the third one is you see what? You see the world. The cares of this world that is choking up the life of God's word. How many people do we know like that? That they're following Jesus for a certain time, but they need to make this amount of money or they need to accomplish this thing before they can really follow him choking up the word inside of our lives and we need to make sure that we're not that so the question is are you a person that has a stony grounded heart are you a person who has the shallow grounded heart are you the person that has the thorny heart or are you the person that has the good grounded heart the good grounded heart look at look at verse 19 i mean verse 20 here he says this but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 and some a hundred fold They hear the word, not just preached. They hear the word as God's spirit, as they're in the word of God. They hear the word of God. And when they hear the word of God, they self-examine. And they do what? They accept it. They welcome it. They're like, you know what, God? I want you to change my life. God, this may be hard truth, but I want you to change my perspective. I want you to change the way I think. I want to look more like you. That's what this heart is like. I really want to look. And listen, it's not an emotional response. It's not just tears. It's not just emotional. It's not just knowing the truth. It is really 100% surrendering to it, accepting it. Being developed by God's word. And so again, these parables are meant to either hide the truth or to reveal the truth. And when I say to hide the truth, there's one scripture. I just want you to look at this one and we'll move on. And it is this. Jesus said, look at verse 11 here. He says, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that, listen to this, seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. You read, you read that scripture? It sounds like God doesn't want these people to turn from their sins. It sounds like God doesn't want these people to be saved. And can I tell you something? I want you to understand this. God is merciful, gracious, loving, and kind to all of his creation. He extends his love. And, and, and I want you to realize the context. These are Israelites that he is speaking to. These are, these are Jewish people. They knew the Torah. They knew the prophets like the back of their hand. They understood these scriptures with, all, with, with everything. And what they had been doing is they started to reject God's truth. They started to reject it, especially when Jesus came on the scene. And what happens is God extends his hand to them, graciously calling them to repentance, and they continue to rebel. And you know what? Here's the thing, and this is a scary thing, and I pray that none of you are in this boat here. But when you hear God's word, when you know what God says, and you continuously reject and reject and rebel and disobey and do what you want to do, there comes a point in time that God says, okay, that's how you want to live, then you're going to live like that. That's how you want to live. You're going to live like that. You don't want to turn to me. You don't want to respond to me. You don't want to receive my love. You don't want to receive my gift of salvation. You want to live in your own. Okay, that's how you want to live. That's your choice, not mine. We don't want to hear that about God. Because we think God has to bow down to every single person. False. Every person has to bow to him. He's God. We're not. That's right. He doesn't Listen, God doesn't have to save anybody. He wants to save all. I mean, the Bible makes this clear. He wills that none perish, but that all come to salvation, that all would be saved. That's what the Bible teaches about God. He wills that. But if you don't will that and you rebel against that, there comes a point that God says, okay, enough is enough. You're on your own. Scary place to be. I pray that nobody's in that place. Listen, my time is up. I'm going to send you guys these notes in realm, and you can read the rest of this sermon. But here's my closing question for you. Do you have hearing ears? That's my closing question. Do you have hearing ears? Do you have ears to hear? Are you, are, are you, are you a person that is responding to God or are you a person that's doing your own thing? Are you a person who is listening to what God is saying? Are you a person that's doing your, do you have the cares of this world choking up? Are you so concerned about, you know, having the the best, and this is going to sound so stupid, but the reality is it's just the truth for so many people. You're the type of person, you want to have the best facade. You want to have the coolest looking pictures on your Instagram, your Facebook. You want everyone to believe that you got it all together and you do not. I mean, are you, are, you, are you so overly concerned about the exterior that you're not responding to God, that you're more in pursuit of the things of this world than you are of the kingdom of God? Do you have ears to hear? Listen, if you don't have ears to hear, if you're honest enough in this place and you say, God, I do not have ears to hear. I have a hardened heart. I have a heart that's shallow. I respond emotionally, and then I don't follow through. Or or I'm a person that I'm so consumed by the cares of this world that I'm not bearing fruit. If that's you in this place, repent of your sin today. Today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Right now, as we pray, God, forgive me. God, give me the grace in order to serve you. Call upon him. And if you're a person that says, I do have ears to hear, but you know what? I'm only bearing 30% fruit. I'm not, I'm not bearing fruit in all areas of my life like I need to. If that's you in this place, listen, step higher. Come up higher in him. The, the more that we apply his word, and you'll see this in the notes that I send you, the more that we receive his word, the more that you hear his word and respond to it, guess what? He gives you more. He gives you more and you see more fruit in your life. But if you reject it, he takes away even what you have. So the question is, do you have hearing? Ears? Let's all stand up here and let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we humble our hearts before you in this place. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would search our hearts right now in this moment. And I pray that we would respond to what you see, that we would respond to what you show us. Lord, for the hearts in here that are hardened, for the hearts in here that are rebellious toward you, for those hearts, God, grant Mercy and repentance, God. Turn them away from their rebellion, Lord. Let them not walk out of this place without repenting and calling upon you for salvation, God. And let it be real and let it be lasting. And Lord God, for those of us in this place that do have hearing ears, that are hearing you and are responding to you, let us bear more fruit, God. Show us what you want from us. Prune us, God. Purify us. Glorify your name in us. We want to bear more fruit for your glory. We want to bear more fruit for your honor. And God, as we pray today, as I close my time with my brothers and sisters, I, I pray, Lord God, for these places like Puerto Rico, like the Caribbean. I pray for these places like Houston, Lord God, like the Keys. I, I pray, Lord God, for Barbuda. I pray for these places that are experiencing devastations. Lord God, Mexico, Father, I call upon you and I pray that your church would rise up. God, I pray that your church in these areas will rise up I pray that the body of Christ, Lord, they're, they're, they don't have electricity, God, so they have to get outside in order to worship and gather and congregate. Lord, my prayer is that they would rise up in this moment and that they would exemplify, that they would imitate what they see in the book of Acts, Lord God, that all people would have all things in common, that there would be blessing that would come through the church, that the church would rise up, Lord God, that the love of Christ would be shown clearly, that your power would be manifested God and that you would use us your body whether it is there or here Lord God to minister unto those who are needy right now and may this be the cause of a great and mighty move of your spirit God may we as your people humble ourselves before you Lord God as we recognize the time in which we live and the hour that we are in Lord God prophetically and may we not Lord God lay back and act like There is nothing going on, but may we acknowledge the signs of the times, God. May we rise in authority and power, and may our words not fall upon deaf ears, God. Father, we pray that you be glorified in all this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise.